0: I hate the wave though. I I despise doing the wave.
1: The wave is the worst. I hate hate the wave.
0: I have to do it now because when I go to the game with Ben, uh, he obviously wants to do it, right? Because it's a lot of fun. You know, woo, yeah, yeah. And then you sit down and then you watch it and watching it's almost, is it going to make it past the Jumbotron again? And uh, so he loves it. But I hate it, but I have to do it because I don't want to be like the grumpy dad who's like, no, son, we don't do the wave in our family.
1: You know what you should do when you take Ben to his first game? Grab a program and at the very back there's always a score sheet okay. and teach him just how to do the most basic version of scoring the game. Like not all the positions or anything, just like the lines to say what base they got to. Uh, and then he he will forever hate the wave as well. I've never met a scorekeeper, someone who like, keeps score at the game, that likes the wave. Everyone I've ever talked to who scores the game hates the wave. Sit the f*** down. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast with me Chris Schreier, and my wonderful co-host Mandy Murphy. Hey Mandy, how you doing?
1: Hey Chris, I'm good. How are you doing?
0: You I'm great, but I know you've had had quite a few uh interesting days in the past week. We're going to be talking about that. So I'm just stoked that uh that you're actually able to join us and uh and and do this cuz I know it's been a hectic week, but uh but yeah, so thank you. Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, it it's just it's it's been crazy i know so uh we're, we're gonna get to that because that's obviously some pretty big pretty big news uh and, and fantastic related to the outcome but uh for now actually we're just gonna do the usual we're gonna do some catching up uh stuff from the last podcast i want to talk actually because i'm i know it's uh it's it's uh, 10 to 10 in the morning but uh, that hasn't stopped me from cracking into a, a tasty uh beer-based beverage i'm actually drinking a unearthed Amber Ale from uh, our good friend Jeff over at Muddy York Brewing. Of course, they just had their pop up on uh, Canada Day first retail store experience, and I don't believe they had any noise complaints. But I would have to look into that and make sure.
1: Is that a bit of a dig there?
0: That's a bit. It's a bit of a dig. Yeah, mind you, they're in a much more industrialized neighborhood. So, uh,
1: as most uh, as most production breweries are, but uh, I didn't. I didn't make it out to the to his pop-up and I had really wanted to, what was it like?
0: It was great. Uh, It was actually kind of, it was funny. We went out, uh, obviously, you know, Canada Day, we're doing stuff with the family and uh, we swung by uh, right after it opened and uh i got there and you know there's they got the chalkboard sign out front and everyone's all all giddy and stuff so uh i went in and i'd I'd been into the brewery a bunch of times um because jeff and i are buddies but i hadn't actually been in since they did the retail space and it's just i mean it's a small space it's a small brewery but it's just this really cute very well kind of i don't want to say branded maybe or like designed but it's just it's got that old timey kind of feel that uh, that muddy york does and They had a a fridge full of beer and apparently like within a couple of hours, they only had Porter left. Everything else had sold out. And uh, even while I was there, I think I was the third person there and I planned on hanging out for, you know, half an hour or so. I'd I'd warned uh, Eric and the kids that it might be a while. And uh, like 10 minutes in, it was getting so crowded and I was like, you know what? you guys got work to do you don't need some loafer hanging around drinking your beer so i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna get out and just let this happen so it was really good to see that it was very successful so that was that was awesome you should go there's
1: such lovely They're such lovely people and the beer is so good i've never had anything from from jeff that i don't absolutely love and uh, it's cool to see them finally open because we've been following along it's a uh, his build and his progress along the way. So it's really cool. Yeah,
0: it's just amazing. So yeah, and this Amber Ale, um, I mean, I've had it a couple of times, uh, I think some earlier versions of it and stuff, maybe even back to when, uh, when it was still Humber, but, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's just, it's this, you know, fairly traditional Amber with, uh, you know, it's got some new worldliness to it, but it's a predominantly old timey, uh, beer. And I think that's great. Um, you know, it, we were kind of talking, you know, we've been talking about the, the Ontario Pale Ale, and uh, Jeff makes a Pale Ale. We could drink it sometime and decide whether or not it's an Ontario Pale Ale or not. But uh, but like you guys with uh, with Ephus, you know, coming out with a porter and uh, this amber that are not sort of, you know, hot bombs or, or kind of trendy kind of... Uh, uh, styles i think that's fantastic i think a lot of people should be looking at that sort of as a as a way to start out so congratulations to you guys for doing it and to uh jeff at muddy york what are you uh consuming right now
1: well, i'm consuming uh coffee from red rocket coffee one of our local coffee shops uh, and i'm eating for breakfast a peanut butter cookie uh, from the coffee shop as well. Uh, we did, I do the podcast from the my office at home, which is a pretty much underused space aside from the podcast. Uh, and at home, we have no food in the house because we more or less live at the brewery. So I have all my morning yogurt and berries and granola and everything at the brewery and absolutely nothing to eat in the house. So I'm eating a cookie for breakfast.
0: That, But it's a peanut butter cookie. So that's sort of...
1: It's kind of healthy, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think maybe only oatmeal raisin would be a more... Uh, breakfasty cookie, so you're doing good.
1: Thanks for the reassurance.
0: <laughs> is, is Wrigley Pup at the brewery, or is he with you right now?
1: He's at the brewery. He would make way too much noise here for podcasting beside him.
0: <laughs> oh, that dog is fantastic. Um, okay, so here's the actually the only business arising from the previous podcast uh, is this. We were talking about our top three or four, in some people's cases, IPAs, and I got wondering as I was editing the show and thinking about the next one. I started thinking, well, I wonder if we actually have good taste or not. And I think we do. Obviously, I think I do. And I, I trust you implicitly in that. So, But I thought, well, maybe we could verify this. Maybe we could quantify it a little bit. Uh, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right away two caveats. One I don't love aggregate rating sites, um, particularly in the in the beer scene. I think um, ah, I, I could do a whole podcast on this, but they're not my favorite thing. I, I would much prefer to have the word of a single or two people who I really trust than sort of the cacophony of of people who have access to the internet and in the mouth. But They are useful uh, in in some cases, and and in this one, I felt you know this is a this is a a case to use it. So uh, that's number one. Number two is I used beer advocate, not rate beer. There is absolutely no reason why, other than a long time ago. Beer Advocate was the one that I found first and signed up for, and I just can't see that there's any reason to change. Rate Beer doesn't seem that much better that I would have to change. So just as a quick aside, do you uh, ever spend any time on the aggregate sites?
1: I try not to. Uh, The most time that I spend on them really is just setting up our brands before we launch them to make sure that they're there and accurate and that we we have control over what it, it says about it rather than trying to find all of the separate ratings later and pull them together and merge them into one place, that just takes more time. So, before we launch something, I try to get on there and put up the the Icon and the ABV and the proper style and everything like that. Um, aside, I try not to really visit them, I don't find it to be a terribly productive use of time for myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, anyway, so... And,
1: oh, I should mention, I also use Untap, just mainly to remember what I had to drink um, and how many drinks I had. <laughs>
0: I, I use untapped a bit as well. Although, um, I, I don't know, I don't use it as much as I used to. And really now I kind of use it just to show off. So like, if I'm opening up something really neat, I'll, I'll put it on there. Um, but other than that, I, yeah, I just, it's not the, it's not the first thing I reach for when I pull out my phone, but, uh, but I, I do like the interface. I think it's neat. And I find it fascinating. I, so like on Facebook, I don't know what I have. I used to know my numbers pretty well. I've got 400 or something like that, you know, friends or something. Um, Twitter, I'm like around 1,000 followers or something like that. Twitter, obviously, it's going to be a pretty wide uh, range of, of people, but I think Untappd's a bit more like Facebook, and so I'm so surprised. I don't even know what the count is, but I've got a lot of people who've just randomly started following me on Untappd, to the point where I turned off the notifications because I was just getting sick of being told oh, so-and-so wants to be your friend. And so like every two weeks or three weeks or so when I go on, I have to go in and approve like this swath of friend requests. It's so weird, but it's interesting. I guess maybe that's part of the community that people are a bit more willing to reach out or something. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I
1: find the same thing with uh, I find the same thing with Untapped and it's an, unusual because often I don't, just don't even know where the people come from or how they would have found me or followed me. But it sounds like you're a pretty popular guy in there.
0: Well, I'm not. I don't know. I don't want to be too boastful because I haven't actually looked at the numbers and maybe some smart kid's going to look it up and be like, no, dude, you only have like 80 friends or something. I don't know, but it feels like a lot more. So one anyway. last
1: thing. Do you know what else? Do you know what else untapped is great for
0: uh, For us? Like running a brewery? OK, go. I don't know.
1: So I find it a great tool when you've delivered kegs to an account like on a, we'd have a lot of rotating taps around town. Um, or our beer is on a lot of rotating taps around town and you'll deliver a new beer uh, to an account partway through the week. And you really have no idea when it's tapped. And so to know when a beer has been tapped and to be able to point people in the right direction when they ask, Oh, where can I get that? Uh, I always just go in and check on tap because there are actually, there are enough users and enough people using it that I can usually find out if a a new beer that we've delivered somewhere has been tapped at a new establishment, then I can point people in that direction. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, that's awesome. That's also a good reminder for licensees, bars, uh, and, and that, to uh, make sure that uh, you're available. I think it's Foursquare, the powers or whatever, but that you're in there and, and properly listed so that people can check in at your place. That's Totally. Marketing. That's marketing, kids. That's what we call that. Okay, anyway, going right back. So, okay, back to aggregate beer sites. I used um, Beer Advocate. And what I did was I looked up the scores of each of our beers on uh on beer advocate and i'm just realizing oh this is so stupid i didn't actually put the specific scores um like for each beer i just put the totals but anyway uh my average ipa rating on beer advocate for my top three was 91.3 that's pretty good that's a pretty good ipa if you may if you mix those three together that's a 91.3 ipa you on the other hand and I would claim it's because you had four, but I know it's not. I know exactly why it is. Um, you hit 93.5, and it's because you have Hetty on on your list. And Hetty Topper is a perfect 100 on, uh, on Beer Advocate. So that really brought your score up. And then us together, if we mixed all of our beers together, we rated a 92.6. But I think that says something that at least our palates and the palates of the frothing masses... Um, Uh, agree we like good ipa and those are good ipas we like
1: go team go team
0: (laughs) i don't know why i find like cooking numbers up that way so interesting but uh
1: i wish i had known you were going to do that because i would have skewed my list to like really knock it out of the park
0: and that's exactly it i would have been like well let me tell you i like heady topper alpine duet and sculpin i win (laughs) okay Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna pump along here, pumping right along into, uh, the, the real topic at hand that's been going on for, well, I mean, for you, it's been going on, I'm sure for months now, but, uh, everybody with functioning, hearing, or eyesight able to listen to or read the news in Toronto probably is aware that you guys have had a little, let's call it a spot of bother with, uh with some of the people who you cohabit with in your neighborhood, some noise complaint issues. And, and it's, it it, kind of came to a T there last week and there's going to be a motion at council to try and uh, try and have you guys mediated with, it was, I can't even remember. Like it sounded like half of the city departments were going to have to put somebody on this case, the, the left field case, because uh, you know, I, I don't even know. I'm guessing to, maybe 3 maybe 4 neighbors at most uh find your brewery to be too noisy. Uh that's a pretty you, you say that was a good assessment of the situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely fair assessment.
0: Okay. Uh first of all, let's talk about what didn't happen. Okay? Cuz I think the thing that drives me the most crazy about this is pretty obvious. Um it's the the NIMBYism of the these neighbors. Uh dancing around words that I want to use, but let's think about it this way. And this is something I'd be curious to know. And I don't even know if you knew what this was going to look like. If the motion at council had gone through, um, I know it wasn't an issue of, of, you know, losing the business or anything like that, but what kind of time and resources, what would that have done to you guys in terms of your, your, your business and your involvement in this, in this mediation process?
1: You know what? I don't really know what it would look like. We, we've we never done this before. Uh, I feel like I'm, I say that a lot, but this is the first time we've run a brewery, and this is the first time we've had issues running a brewery. And so we don't really know what it would look like. I've never been part of a municipal mediation process, but it sounded like there would be a lot of departments uh, involved. They had On the list uh, was legal services, municipal licensing and standards, the neighbors, the counselor, ourselves, uh, the AGCO, and I think there's one that I'm missing there, but um, oh, that's a fairly long list of stakeholders, especially given if it is a, a handful of neighbors and there are a couple people attending from each of those uh, each of those departments. That ends up being a fairly sizable meeting and number of people to coordinate, um, coordinating those types of schedules and how many times are we going to have to meet? Who really knows? I, I have no idea what what that looks like. I just know that the the end goal, end game would be finding a solution that that makes everybody happy um so by by waving the motion yesterday um paula fletcher stated uh in her press release yesterday that uh the motion was waived because she was able to secure um uh, agreement from some of the city departments uh, specifically uh the office of economic De- development that's the one that i actually missed um that they had uh someone from their senior team who would be helping out with the the mediation and i guess uh, Paulo's position or Councillor Fletcher's position I should say was um, that the reason she she suggested the motion or uh, suggested the motion was to get the attention and support of, of some of these departments and it sounded like she was able to waive it because she was able to get that attention without the motion. So it sounds like the end goal is the same for us to meet and come to a solution. Uh, that makes everybody happy, and quite frankly, that's what we've been asking to do all along. So, um, if there's a petition out there from the neighbors asking uh, that we all get together and meet and find a solution, sign us up. Like that's a petition I want to be part of because that, that's been our goal the whole time.
0: Yeah, here's something that I suspect, and and I um, I, I realize this is speculative, but uh, my thinking is that. This is not going to ever really be resolved as far as the neighbors are concerned. They're either going to get so sick of the process, they just leave it alone, or they're just going to be told by the people doing the mediation, look, this is a business, you <laughs> you you know, you live next to an industrial area. I know it was quiet before, but it's not now, and it's just going to end up, but it's going to be... Ridiculous. My perception is these are not people who actually want to be made happy. I think they're just using this as an outlet to be bitchy about things. But that's just me. I'm just putting that out there. Um, and I doubt they're listening right now, so I can probably say anything I want, and uh, and it wouldn't really matter.
1: Now, I know well, you never yeah? you never know, Chris. I had written our blog post just with the intention of uh, telling the story to to a few who uh, I guess the there was a there was a Metro News article in the commuter paper about the issue. Uh, and then it got picked up by somebody on a community a Leslieville community Facebook group and they posted it and it just started getting the comments started getting out of hand like they there were hundreds of comments before you do it and uh there was a lot of misinformation being spread which is why I wrote the blog post our our goodness to honest truthful goal was to just deal with this issue directly with the neighbors and the counselor as a as a mediator and that's what we were trying to do um but somehow the media got a hold of the story and wrote an article about it and then when the Leslieville Facebook group gets a hold of anything whether it's the story about the person who didn't pick up their dog poop on the playground or um kale being on sale down at the whatever organic store in Leslieville if they get a hold of something that they care about they go crazy with it uh, and that's it's amazing cuz they they're highly engaged in their, their community. So it's really cool to see. Uh, and it's the type of neighborhood we want to be part of, but the no, the amount of uh, confusion and misinformation that was being spread there, I had to write a blog post just to, to put it, uh, put it to bed. Um, and to, to make sure that the story was being told with some context. Uh, and then we were completely overwhelmed with the number of visits to our website and the amount of people that were, were actually reading the post. Um, we had more visits to the website over the past couple of days than we've than we would get in a typical month or over the course of two months even. Uh, so it's, it, it was crazy. And so sometimes you, what my point is that sometimes you think that uh, you think that nobody's listening or nobody's watching, but you, ha- you have no idea who's going to pick it up and run with it.
0: I guess that's true. Uh, as an aside, and you know, <laughs> I'm not going to call it necessarily worth it or whatever, but uh, I, I tend not to read comments um, I'll read comments. I should say, if you're commenting on this podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to read that. I'm going to engage that, you know, comments on my Facebook stuff. like that. I mean, like if I'm reading a news story, I generally don't read the comments because comment sections are generally the domain of, you know, sort of the people I try and avoid the most in the world. But I read the comments on, uh, the article on this, on, on the star. And for one was amazed that pretty much all of the commenters really were in favor of you guys. But of course, uh, a bunch of them the response and actually i saw this on reddit as well was wow I've, I've never actually heard of this uh brewery and i'm totally gonna be going now just to support them so uh it's like they say there's no uh there's no bad news no no bad publicity right it's uh, it, uh i think in the end of the day it was uh, a nightmare for you guys but there's yeah, a bit of a silver lining i suppose um
1: yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that. But it gets to the point where you you start to look like the brewery that always has a always has issues. Like, can't you just resolve your problems outside <laughs> of the public eye? You can't pour at festivals, and you're in having a battle with the AGCO, and then now you have the this new solution with the beer store, and now you can't make your neighbors happy. It's like, my goodness, can't they get it together? Uh, and so we were, we really did not want to have this dealt with publicly, and we are so grateful and appreciative of the. The amount of support it's a little it was a little bit overwhelming just to see the uh the amount of people that cared enough to to write a comment or to the amount of emails we've been getting from people just saying hang in there we support you that that's really cool and it it really sort of reminds us why we do what we do um but we would have much preferred to handle our neighbor issue just directly with our neighbors for sure
0: yeah i know uh we get inspected for sound at castros um because we have a condominium directly above us and we do live music and, uh, it makes a lot of noise. Um, especially depending on the band, some bands really like it loud. So, uh, we've gone through similar things and, uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I can assure you that they're very, very thorough when they're checking this sort of stuff. And, uh, I think we actually might've gotten a warning one night, um, because it was it was pushing like we're we were we were not over but it was like hey you gotta watch it wouldn't take much for you to to go over the 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 bylaw limit here so uh yeah and i i i yeah <laughs> I'm still so frustrated uh i think for me as well like you say the the idea that you've been inspected so like you've collected data two different agencies employed to do this sort of thing of collected data. There's tons of very solid metrics. And I think that for me, that's like one of the biggest parts of the story is as soon as, you know, the neighbors and, you know, people involved at city level government wanted to say, well, you know, we, I know we have these numbers, we have this, this data, but you know, that's, that's not how I feel. Well, you know what? I don't know. I know you You want to go easy on the neighbors, but seriously, guys, like, this is irrefutable stuff. Um, yeah.
1: That's why – that's exactly and precisely why these laws and parameters and regulations are in place, Chris, because certain things like noise are subjective. Um, they feel one way. We feel another. We're all entitled to feel the way that we feel. We want to – run our business. They want to enjoy their properties. Everyone should be entitled to do those, those two things. And so the only way to actually, um, enforce any required changes would be to base it on facts and parameters. Like it, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. And I, I think it's even gone beyond like the noise conversation right now. It's, it's actually become, a an argument about the door and, it's all boiled down to the door. The, the counselor's office has asked us numerous times, we'll just keep the door closed and the problem will go away. And I hear that from neighbors and I've seen it on the community forums. Like if Letfield just kept their door closed, this would not be a problem. Well, there are so few, and I don't want to sound defensive when I say this, but there are so few months in the year, um, where you can operate with your garage door wide open and enjoy the, the fresh air. We're spending 12, 14 hours a day inside that brewery. Um, not, at the park or at the beach. And if if that's the, the closest I can get to enjoying the outdoors, why should I not be allowed to do that in my in my business? Um, especially if I'm not violating any any noise bylaws. It's it's not even about the cost or expense of installing air conditioning or um, needing better better circulation of air in the brewery. Like those are all things that are that we we are looking at and they are potential resolutions to the problem. But I've spoken to these people and in other situations and uh, ahead of this noise thing becoming an issue. And they're all very lovely people and very reasonable people. So I, I really do hope um, we can get to a a resolution and coexist peacefully. That that's the end goal.
0: That's very mature of you. Like uh, (laughs) trying to remember this, this bit's absolutely going to get, but you're very reasonable and I'm very reactive. So, okay. That's where we're at. Mark and Mandy left field. Going to be fine. Gonna work with the neighbors, try and make everyone happy. Cause you guys are the nicest craft brewers. I think you know you and Muddy York could get in a a comment or not a comment, a compliment off to see who uh, who was the nicer pair. But uh, you're very friendly people, so that's good. I'm and I'm glad it's it's resolving or not resolving itself yet, but it hasn't come to this ridiculous multi-level city mediation, which would have just been a waste of your time and resources and certainly a waste of city resources to get involved in what's really not that big an issue i think so uh hang on a sec. i i'm gonna open another beer okay what should i have i've got i'm just looking in my fridge uh, i've got a steam whistle that could go good oh i got a hammer dark i think i'm going for the stonehammer dark ale after the amber hang on a sec sounded good okay i'm back dark ale new beer new topic Ah, sort of i loved it in, in your blog post at one point you said you received a noise complaint when um there were two sleeping babies in the brewery and i'll be the first to say especially my son but both my kids but particularly my son were pretty deep sleepers uh ben was raised many nights of the week at castro's and could sleep through a jet plane taking off i think um so that isn't necessarily an indicator of quietness. It's just a funny aside. There were sleeping babies during the noise complaint. But I have been, a, I've been at your brewery a bunch of times, but I've been out during sort of uh, retail hours since the, uh, the full open. And I'm trying to think if I've ever been in buying beer from the, uh, the retail and bottle and no, what do you call it? Tasting tap room. Uh, I'm screwing this up. What's it called? Tap room and bottle shop. Tap room and bottle shop. I'm trying to think if I've been in to the tap room bottle shop, and there hasn't been a child at, at the tap. Oh no, I was. I was in one night right before close at like eight thirty, and I don't think there were any kids in at that point. But the point is, the brewery is often chock a block with uh, children, babies, preteens. And also dogs—they're all lined up outside, waiting for their uh, their buddies to get their beer and get back to scruffing their ears. Uh, yeah,
1: many of them are. Many of them are inside now. We we totally welcome people to bring their dogs in if they're well behaved and they're on a leash. Uh, we say we joke that uh, children and dogs are welcome if they're well behaved and on a leash. <laughs>
0: that's a good. That's a good bit.
1: Um, have you been there on Friday afternoons when we host? Uh, or when uh, there's a mommy group that hosts their their weekly get together? There, <laughs> no, we have about twenty ladies with the. Uh, with babies, like under, their are maternity leave, so they're a year or younger, um, and they, they used to do their get-togethers at a coffee shop, but they come to the brewery now on Friday afternoons.
0: That's fantastic. You guys are a very child-friendly brewery, and it got me to thinking, and actually, I think we had this in the show notes last time, is that how it came up? And then we cut it because we went long, but... I I even just said my son was raised many nights of the week at Castro's Lounge until he was probably about two years old. I took Grace to Castro's when she was less than 24 hours old. Um, Wow! Yeah, that was a big one. Um, So obviously, I've got some (laughs) some comfort with uh, with kids and uh, being around alcohol. What was for you growing up? Were you were your family like? Did your family have friends over and? have beers or wine and stuff? Was it something that was around the house or, you know, what's, what was your experience growing up?
1: Yeah, totally. My parents are, uh, very social people. Uh, and they actually had, uh, myself and my sister where they were fairly young. Uh, and so I would say that they were probably their first of their group of friends to have kids. And so they were still carrying on with their like young people parties as we grew up. Uh, and they're, they're just very social the throughout our entire lives. And so, uh, my sister and I both grew up uh, amongst adults at uh, various get-togethers, barbecues, parties. Uh, and one story my mom likes to tell is on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve one night, um, we had both sort of found our way up to uh, we we were they were at, we were at a friend's place, one of my parents' friends' places, uh, for a New Year's party, and we sort of found our way up to one of the uh, the speakers in the living room uh, when everyone else was sort of hanging out in the basement having fun playing playing darts. Um, and my, my parents came up to look for us to f- figure out where we had gone and they found us both asleep, uh, right underneath the speaker that was playing loud, loud music. Um, and so that's, that's just an illustration of, of our childhood, which is probably why I have some potential hearing loss problems, but, uh, there was never any, any issues around us being around, around alcohol. We always had someone who was a responsible driver, um, regardless of where we were going, whether it be my mom or my dad. And, uh, yeah, with a very very open with uh with alcohol and social settings um not terribly rigorous like nap schedules or anything like that we would, we would sort of eat when we're hungry and sleep when we're tired kind of mentality
0: yeah I, yeah i mean it's funny i mean for me uh growing up um yeah i definitely have memories uh, being very young of like yeah you know the aunts and the uncles were around for dinner or whatever and it wasn't like a wasn't like a frat party or something but certainly you know there'd be bottles of beer around and glasses of wine and I remember as a kid it's funny cuz kids aren't supposed to like the way the beer tastes but I used to uh, I would pretend to be like the waiter and so I would you know go up to you know my uncle and say oh would you, would you like another beer and he'd be like yeah sure and I would, I would grab his beer before it was actually technically finished and take it to the kitchen to get him a new beer. And I would have like the last mouthful of beer out of it, uh, which I of course now appreciate, especially in bottles is going to be predominantly his spit. So I try not to think about that too much, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I just used to love that. I would, I would just have that last little, <laughs> little warm bit of mouth, uh, backwashy beer, but, uh, Gross. yeah, I know it's actually disgusting. Uh, and then when my mom uh, remarried her and my stepdad frequently, uh, when he would get in from work, they would have like a pre-dinner cocktail. Uh, he would always have a rye and Coke and she would have a rum and Coke. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I can remember even uh, when I got to a point, I don't know, I was probably, uh, probably mid-teens 15 or 16 and uh my stepdad would let me like get him the drink my mom was probably the one pushing back being like my stepdad probably would have let me do it when i was 12 but uh she would have been the one pushing back saying no, no he's, he's too young he's too young but mm-hmm. uh but i remember the first time uh i was at castro's when i was cooking this was years ago and uh, the bartender had stepped out to have a cigarette or whatever and somebody ordered a, a a rum and coke and i had this like flashback moment to being a, a you know middle teen pouring these drinks from my parents and i was like oh this is i don't know it was a weird experience um with my kids and, and i have two kids uh, people know this um obviously my kids spend time in bars spend he spent most of his evenings in bars as a baby. Uh, my kids have been to the brewery. They, they mainly wanted to come and see Wrigley. Actually, my kids dislike going to breweries, and they complain when I take them to breweries because they know I'm just going to stand there and chat to people and drink beer. Mm-hmm. And Thankfully, at a brewery, there's not much they can break, so they can kind of run around a bit, but uh, my kids have gotten to a place where that's not exciting or, or has any cachet to them. But uh, My intention is I, I want to raise my kids with a re- respect for, uh, alcohol and, and particularly beer, but not with any sense of, you know, mysticism. Like I, I, everyone says this, you know, when you get to high school, you know, those people who are just like, it's, it's like the forbidden fruit. And so they, they dive right in. And, uh, I joke that my hope is when Ben is, you know, 13 or 14 and he's at that first party and a kid shows up with like, a 12-pack of beer he nicked out of the garage or something like that, uh, that, you know, everyone's going to be all gleeful and having their beer, and Ben's going to have a sip of it and be like, oh, that's not very good beer, man. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll have, you know, built a taste in uh, for for good beer into him. I I just pulled this up here because I knew it was a stat, um, and I wanted to look into this. So obviously, here in Ontario, legal drinking age 19. Did you know in the United Kingdom... Uh, A child who is 16 or 17, so legal drinking age is 18, but a child who is 16 or 17 can have alcohol at a licensed premise uh, as long as they're eating a meal and they're with an adult.
1: No way. Really? That's so cool. That's exactly what it should be. I completely agree with that. Yeah,
0: I think, you know, and, and I mean as well, I can remember, you know, being allowed a glass of wine uh, at like a thanksgiving meal or something as like a 14-year-old, 15-year-old. And uh yeah, you know, you just you you're making it normal like part of life. I that's England. If you go to like Germany or the Czech, these are kids who are drinking beer, you know, <laughs> from when they're weaned basically. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a different cultural experience, but uh but yeah, that's uh, I think that's just a fantastic idea. And <laughs> I'm thinking I'm like how long till the next provincial election? No, I don't think they would go for that. We are so still scarred by prohibition in this province that, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that the drinking age is 19 and not 21, to be honest with you. But, uh, but yeah. Uh,
1: the, the nature of the casual atmosphere, I should mention, at the brewery, it's like, we do need to be pretty careful about certain things. For example, um, people will come in with their kids so often to pick up beer to go, and... We're interacting with the kids and the whole thing's very friendly, sort of family uh, atmosphere. And as they go to leave, oftentimes the kid will pick up the bottle or they'll try to grab the bottle from the fridge for the the mom or the dad. Um, And I need to remind them, like, I, I can't have children holding onto or carrying or touching the alcohol Um, And it seems like just such an obscure thing to say, but we all forget it because it's just such a responsible, casual atmosphere Um, with the kid holding the bottle or holding the can and walking out of the building. They're not like heading down the alley to go crack it open and drink it. We all know that. Um, So it's, it's just seems like such a silly thing to have to say. Uh, But those are the the laws here in Ontario. And so we do need to be extra, extra careful about it. Sometimes we even question ourselves, like, is that really, is that really a law? That's something we really have to do. Um, But we do need to be careful about it because our, our license to sell is so important to us, obviously.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Um, I'm trying to remember, I've forgotten his name. One of your guys at the retail guy with the the glasses. Uh, Justin. I was going to say, I want to say Justin, but I didn't think that was right. Um, we were in picking up, I don't know what some tins or something. And it's funny because when anything else, if I asked Ben to help me carry it, he like moans and, claims it's too heavy and whatever. And I mean, my, he's anyway, I don't, I don't need to get into my complaints about my son. It's not too heavy. You're huge. Look at you. But anyway, um, but he'll always will help carry the beer. And, uh, he knows he's not allowed to at the LCBO. We actually got told off at the LCBO because a staff member felt that he was helping push the cart and that was too much. Really? Yeah. And I I, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the LCBO, like, uh, it's not even worth arguing, but mm-hmm. I was so frustrated because it's like, okay, Ben, sorry, you can't touch the cart, apparently, because the cart's the thing that's holding the alcohol. Anyway, uh, I digress, but uh, Justin, as Ben uh, was standing there, uh, he kind of half-reached for it, and Justin was like, oh, no, no, buddy, like, he caught him right off, and I was like, oh, man, you guys have to do that, too? I thought that was just an LCBO policy, and he was like, no, no, it's that's a provincial thing. I was like, ah. That to me, that is doing the exact opposite of what I try and do with my kids, right? It's, 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 it's saying this is something special and different and you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be near it. Don't go near it, kids. Oh, it's just the stupidest. God, I hate the liquid laws in this province. Anyway, uh, I think that's about it. I think we're good right now. So we'll do this again in, uh, in about two weeks. I'm trying to think. I might be recording live from Muskoka, Muskoka, Muskoka when we do it next time, so we'll have to see. Cool. Uh, you got anything exciting coming up you want to talk about, left field, you personally, whatever?
1: The left field softball team is playing in our beaches tournament this weekend, That's that'll be fun. Um, is that
0: a brewery team, or is that a, a team in the community you sponsor?
1: It's our team, like we play on it, but it's a team of friends that we've been playing with for about 10 years. Um, I wouldn't really say we sponsor the team. We have our our logos on the jerseys, but we made our friends pay for it themselves. We, <laughs> we don't have that kind of cash. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. According to one article I read this week, you have money for publicists. So
1: yeah, that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> we're just na- we're just neighbors. We don't have publicists. Well, neither do we. I I just wrote a blog post. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything we need we need to promote. I don't think so. I'm going to try to avoid promoting the tap room and the bottle shop because I don't want it to get overwhelmingly busy, especially with all the extra media attention we've had this week. I'm concerned about creating extra noise on the laneway and I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic about that. Um, I actually am truly a little bit afraid for this weekend and the, the amount of noise that there might be on the Saturday, especially since we'll be off, uh, in the beach playing softball and not able to be there to, uh, to witness it ourselves or diffuse any, any, uh, arguments or conflicts so uh, we have a great team up at the up at the shop and i know that they are fully in control and uh it's actually going to be nice to be able to get away for the weekend
0: i uh as a as a quick aside had seen a thing on reddit and it had gotten me thinking and i hadn't done the looking yet i was going to do it uh probably today if uh if the motion at council had 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 gone through and i was going to try and invite out like if there was like a toronto-based mime club and try and invite out like a group of mimes in costume to come to the brewery on Saturday and and just, just show up and buy beer and maybe do like a miming demonstration in the laneway or something like that, just because that's the kind of, you know, dick I am. And uh, Toronto Festival of Beer is in two weeks. We will be recording um, right in and around Toronto Festival of Beer, but the next podcast will be after it. So uh, you guys are there, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're totally there.
0: Go uh, find Left Field. Um, You know what? If you want to make some noise at Left Field, do it at Toronto Festival of Beer because that's where you want to do it. And uh, other than that, the week after that, Session Muskoka. I'm hoping to be up with that. And that's about all we got. So thanks for doing this, Mandy. I'm glad that this week now is going to hopefully end on a quieter
1: note. (laughs) I'm just glad that this week's going to (sighs) end.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Uh, thanks for joining us, Toronto. Uh, we'll be talking to you in about uh, two weeks. Keep it quiet.